Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Swiss Movement. Quality watches at affordable prices. Check out their website at www.swissmovement.co and get 10% off all watches with the code GigPod88. Hello and welcome to episode, wait for it, 67 of the Glasgow is Green podcast, aka Gigpod. Below the night we were only in the heat of Lisbon, it was in the heat of Seville as Celtic went down 4-3 to Real Betis, which, all things considered, he'd have taken before the game as much as we don't want to sound like complete and utter losers. Speaking of which, I'm Stevie, however, I'm the, joined by the opposite of me and that is Spunkphone for this episode. Is your Covid well and truly? Away. It is away, Stevie. I'm, I'm fighting for it. Back and better than ever before. A bit like Celtic away from home in Europe tonight. What was it like though? I mean, when you, we've not really addressed it, but when you ran on the park at Celtic Park with, with Covid, obviously everybody was thinking it was a big laugh and joke and all that, but that Parkhead variant has well and truly spiralled out of control and we nippy can't handle it anymore and it's all your fault. Um, I'm a super spreader, Stevie. What more can I say? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fine, obviously, um, that the club incurred for that incident, I'd imagine, is what led to the lack of transfer business in certain areas, but um, I'm sure we'll We'll come on to discussing that tonight when the, uh, with the match match review. You're Celtic and you're away to the sixth best team in Spain. Now, it's not a wee daft league, as we know. It's They take this competition very, very seriously over there as well. So we should have known that we were up against it tonight. And when you saw our squad before the game, when you saw the injuries we had and the religious reasons as well, which we'll not get into on this podcast, we'll respect them right now. When you add all the problems that we had facing us up, how were you feeling when you saw the team announced and everything? And were you were you dreading it or were you thinking, well, freak results can happen? And Brendan Rodgers' Celtic side against RB Leipzig, for example, back in 2018, went on a, a hiding to nothing. And in the end, we managed to beat Ralph Rangnick's side uh, 2-1 at Celtic Park. So in the Europa League, the games are always dead open and very rarely do they always go to plan. But 
Celtic away in Europe in nine times out of ten, that usually does go to plan. After the first five minutes, um, all those worries kind of evaporated a wee bit. But how were you feeling before the game's bunk phone and what were your general thoughts on the team in the situation we were in? Well, I was in the, the same boat as you, Steve, to be honest. I'm negative at the uh, at the best of times with Celtic. So, you know, I, I, I knew, obviously, I wasn't too too down when I saw the team, um, the line-up beforehand, because I knew we were obviously heading over there with a, a depleted squad tonight for various reasons. So, really going into that game, I, I was feeling the worst, to, to be honest, and like you say, though, I think a lot of the fears evaporated after the, the opening 10 minutes or so. Taking away the fact that we went 2-0 up uh, quite early on, it was, team shape was impressive. Like We were pressing Betis. Um, the first five minutes, they barely touched the ball. The fans were getting really angry. It was a lot like watching Celtic when you've got a team in Europe coming to Celtic Park. They just stamp their authority all over the game and we start getting annoyed going, how is this happening every time? But... That's what we were doing to Betis. We were really controlling the game and it came as no... I mean, the first goal to make it 1-0, a quality ball in by a player that I felt got a wee bit... A lot of people got a wee bit ahead of themselves on Saturday against Ross County. He really did shut me up tonight. I thought Jota was absolutely brilliant and his ball in for a Yeti. I'm not going to say a Jetty, like a wonderful uh, co-host Rizzo, but no, the ball in for a Yeti and the VER that followed after it. I mean, what is it with Celtic and VER? We get all the big decisions. I'm sure a, a lot of teams, especially a certain team in Glasgow, will be taking that one very, very well, won't this one phone? I want a VER, Stevie. I want a VER. Yeah, it was a great opening in the game, as you said, and um, that, that cross for Jota was, was excellent. And I, I don't ever think it was really... And any doubt, I know the the first couple of replays they showed. Um, to be fair, were a bit inconclusive, but I, I thought even in real time, it didn't look as if it had came off a jetty's arm or his hand or whatever the referee had, had thought it came off initially. But um, it was a really well worked goal, and and as you say, it capped off a very good start to the game where we were in control, and we were commanding, and you know. Forcing, forcing Betis under a lot of pressure. You could tell that that rattled them a wee bit at that stage because Celtic sort of grew in stature, we grew in confidence and, you know, you did see Celtic after that looking even more assured because it's usually, I get vibes of anytime we go in front in Europe. I mean, you look at AC Milan last season, 2-0 up in the first, what was it, 15, 20 minutes or so. It kind of felt like that tonight when we made it 2-0, didn't it, against a team that we everybody expected us just to get thrashed by. It was like everybody thought last season against AC Milan, at first it was going to be you're talking 4-5 now, but no, Celtic, certainly under Lennon, they gaslit as a belter by pretending to be competent footballers in the opening period before well and truly just collapsing. But, to be fair, we were well worth the... The 2 0 lead when a Yeti won the penalty after a brilliant breakaway. Uh, Rogic fed uh, Tumble. It was a good wee bit of play with him and a Yeti, and it was a stonewaller. Juranovic steps up, makes it 2 0. At that stage, you need to get your opinion here because I still genuinely did think we've got it in us to do something stupid. And although you can both say, we can both say, yeah, we predicted it, and that turned out to be the case. I never thought it was going to be in the first half. I thought it was going to be in the second half as the game went on. But we'll get into that later. But see, 2-0, Spunk Phone, were you thinking... something turning to Charlie Nicholas here. Were you genuinely thinking, though, that we were going to be able to see it out for the first half? Because we were well worth it and we were, we were looked like so, so composed. Um, and it was like a far cry from anything we saw 
and Celtic in that competition last season. Listen, Steve, I think you and I are both seasoned viewers of Celtic away in Europe, and I'm sure the listeners all are as well. I think we've always got that moment of just utter stupidity in us, which did follow that second goal. Credit to Yeti, by the way, getting on the end of that and managing to actually knock it past. Past Claudio Bravo, it was an absolute stonewalling. Juranovic as well took the, the penalty really well. But um, no, I, I think even at that stage in the game, although as, as Celtic were growing in confidence, probably I was growing in confidence. And, and Betis, to be fair, at that point looked absolutely rattled. You know, they, they were all over the place, or the fans were right in their back as well. So you maybe were growing in confidence a bit, but I, I just. Celtic away in Europe. I mean, I, I know it's cliched. I know it's the easy thing to say, but I, I always feared we had that in us, even with whatever was was left of the first half at that stage, ten to fifteen minutes. I just always knew about a, a moment of stupidity in us. Now you say it's lazy and cliched, but you look at Scotland as well. They say the same thing there, don't they? With the national team, that for every good result and for the odds that Scotland overcome. There's always a stupid result just waiting around the corner. And again, that's like sort of, you can make those parallels with Celtic. We've grown up in Scotland We it's that type of negativity and impending doom that surrounds us. And Celtic always fall into that type of category as a club as well because I was actually praising us at 21 minutes. I was watching about, you know, a defensive shape. There was a bit when Betis had the ball on the left. Tried to switch it to the right, and our entire defence was like just man for man pressing, and their shape was excellent. I made a note of that because I wanted to. I thought I was going to be talking about this on a, a celebration podcast. How stupid am I? But I was honestly feeling that was going to be like a definitive moment when I saw it. We were so well disciplined and drilled that this was unlike anything I'd seen before with Celtic in Europe. However, what ha- what then happens is we give away two stupid, stupid goals. The first one. I actually felt, you know, as Mela Sorrell, if he wasn't on a booking, he could have been more aggressive, more braver, more proactive to stop that ball coming through when it's in there. But he doesn't because if he puts his uh, foot up in there, it's going to be a red card. We're likely down to 10 men and it's probably a penalty. I think the ball was just inside the area. Could be wrong. But even at that point, you know, down to 10 men away to Betis and <laughs> that heat, who are no mugs. But would end up that would end up being like five or six two or something. So as a result of Sorrow and his ridiculous booking, they make it two one and then Kevin Carter Vickers, who I thought was actually decent, he doesn't step up and he's still getting used to it by playing. It's his second game. The ball comes through, he doesn't play offside, and then your man for Betis has just got to tap it in. And I felt Ralston could have reacted better there as well. Seemed to be like a good five yards behind the guy before he realised on no way he's still playing on it's frustrating and it was just wee tiny things like that that just ucks you with Celtic doesn't it so we went in 2-2 two, two at half time but from being in such a high spunk form I wouldn't say I was completely low but I was just like I was just annoyed at it because it, the two goals were very avoidable and Celtic had to really work hard for the first goal and they had to really create a great opportunity for the penalty for the second but I felt with Betis, they'd, again, just like every other team against Celtic, they didn't really need to work hard for the goal. They were still light in third gear. And yet they were getting into a game like that at the break to each with us. And you're like, how is that possible? It's every single time with us. But what were your general thoughts as soon as it was uh, 2-2? No, I think it was much the same. I, I, I still believed um, we were in the game and, and capable. But, you know, I, I think that's kind of been the, 
pattern maybe in, in the early days, certainly under Ange is um and, and over a number of years now in Europe, especially away from home where the game management is just horrific. It's we just switch off or, or you know, implode in a matter of minutes and, and go from two 0 up to to level it two two. And you're right, I mean Betis didn't really have to, to work hard at all for, for both of those goals. It came far too easily for them. And and it is just split second decision making or I don't know what it is, naivety, maybe a bit of I don't know, insecurity when they go into these games. Maybe, maybe they're just not mentally right, but sound like Neil Lennon there last season. But um <laughs> get off me. Get off me. But um no, I I, I think I I just would echo the, the thoughts of yourself as well. I just think they didn't have to work hard for those goals at all. I still hoped that second half, because of the good work we had done in attack, that we could maybe come out and, and start in a similar similar vein to the way that we started the first half, but Obviously, as we'll come on to just now, that's not how things uh, turned out at all, was it? No, it was not, as Inglesius and Wanmi scored in 50 and 53 minutes, respectively. And they were the two most ridiculous goals I think I've seen, you know, this Ange team concede in quite some time. Certainly, I'd say since the, that is Ed Altmar game, when Joe Hart and Welsh had that mix-up, again, another European match, of course, where we just make stupid mistakes. But for the first one... I felt Ralston was poor with it. Sorrow, when he tries to stop the cross coming in, is is, is appalling as well. And my favourite, my big pal, Starfelt, was just, you know, just lets Inglésius just get ahead of him. And Carter Vickers, I felt, the, the communication there with A2, as I say, Carter Vickers is a new player coming into that, that squad. But there was just, I felt a lot of the times at the first 15 minutes of that second half, the two of them... The lack of communication really hurt us, and I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt to Cameron Carter Vickers because he's a decent player. I think he's got good pedigree. You can tell that, and that's a really tough game to throw him into. But with Carl Starfield as well. That's now what double figures games he's into, and he still looks very shaky with his doesn't he? And he could have done far better for that goal. And we'll talk about the fourth in a minute. But what was your thoughts on when they made it three two? Who did you feel? Was to be singled out for the criticism there. Great finish, to be fair, by Iglesias. Um, but it gets across the, the front post far too easily. Um, I think as well, uh, it was Ralston, wasn't it, that, that leaves the... can I remember who it was that even got the ball in for them for the, the left-hand side. But he leaves it obviously up to Soro, and Soro sort of saunters out to his man. So I, I just don't think there was enough enough urgency from anyone in that situation to be honest, I, I think it was just a very passive, It exactly yeah it was It was just all round, just mistake after mistake essentially and it leads to obviously the, the third goal and Betis getting in front and from there they didn't really look back did they? No they didn't and uh, it was Wan Me who put the ball in I believe and it was him who made it 4-2 and for some reason we cleared the corner half-heartedly he gets the ball, there's like six Celtic players around him he still manages to get a shot away just from the inside of the box. Hearts get no chance and at 4-2, the game's over at that point. I'm genuinely thinking our heads might very well go down and we could get hammered from there. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I think I was probably feeling the worst after that. Um, another goal as well, lost in a set piece, which is, is great. It's good to see that pattern continuing into this season. Again, another really disappointing goal to lose all round, and, and I don't think there was enough urgency to, to try and get out to one. Me, Hart, as you said, had, had no chance. To be fair, it was a good strike, but he takes it under pretty much no pressure. So, again, just a really poor collective effort defensively, and once again, it's another in a long line of 
set piece goals that we've conceded. Um, I know obviously domestically we've we've conceded a few, but in these European games as well, I think it was you actually that tweeted it that it's, it's practically like giving the opposition a penalty at this point. It's, it's all the time. It, certainly with set pieces under Ange, I don't feel as apprehensive as what I did last season, and even under Brendan Rodgers at times. I don't know if that's because maybe as much as I do Pelter Starfelt with the ball to his feet and all that, I think when it comes to aerial duels, he's actually pretty competent. And so is Stephen Wells. So I don't feel when we're defending set pieces that we're anywhere near um, as incompetent as what we were in seasons gone by. But there still is, you know, if we, if we give away one corner a game, it's certainly at some point you feel a corner or a free kick, a team are still going to get a general, general good chance to score. Um, you saw what hurt us against Rangers as well. I mean, that was the only thing that decided it was something like that too. Um, and I'm hoping that we, Cameron Carl Vickers, when he gets up to speed, he'll be able to marshal that defence and help us there a wee bit better. Now, the positives here are the fact that when it was 4-2, I'm thinking we could be getting battled here now because you take into effect the, the heat over there and everything and the fact that Bettis aren't idiots. Um, and the, the fans were so frenzied, they seemed like they were really being for blood against us so much for that whole uh, green and white friend zone thing. That was definitely not happening tonight. But to be fair, is we did recover a wee bit. I felt our midfield, I wouldn't say they, they controlled the game because Betis, I felt, were still playing within themselves. And we were having to make sure that we just were playing for pride at that point. But we did still manage to create chances. I felt Jota out in the right was... Like the second half against Ross County, he fell out of the game a wee bit, but he really rose to the occasion here. He kept trying to be creative, he kept trying to feed a Yeti. It was actually really decent for us, I felt. And when we did make it 4-3, I never thought it was going to be 4 each. I never felt we were going to take anything out of it. I think Betis would have probably seen the game out, and they did. But Ralston eh, made the scoreline a wee bit more respectable. 4-3, was it a fair result in the end, would you say? Or did Celtic deserve anything after recovering in the second half ever so slightly. With the, the goals that we lost and, and the times in the game that we lost them at as well, you know, ultimately we started the game very well, as you say, I think towards the, the end after going four to down, we actually weren't too bad and, and we did try and, you know, keep keep attacking and, and trying to be creative. But I, I think just with the, the, as I say, the manner of the goals we can see, the, the times in the game that we lost them at as well, I, I don't think we can have any complaints coming away with them. With a defeat tonight, albeit as you say, much more respectable maybe than than a lot of people had anticipated coming into the game. Certainly with the, the players absent that we had, but no, no, no complaints for me to be honest with them with that result tonight. Yeah, and you know if we went into that game with a full strength squad, or if we, if we invested in a midfielder or a left back, before getting into that game ahead of you know when we were in the transfer window, it's all what if with Celtic, isn't it? It always seems to be the case. What if? Or, ugh, we're just a wee bit reactive rather than proactive when it comes to these games. But I mean, we can moan about it. What's done is done. We knew that Celtic weren't going to take that transfer window as seriously as the fans wanted them to. That's just what Celtic were, are always going to be like. Cause they're always going to let us down in that respect. And we always wear a Callum McGregor injury or burnout or fatigue away from seeing that midfield as what it was tonight, where Tumble and Rogic and Sorrow, they weren't all terrible. But at the same time, if we had a right top class, like a playmaker in there, or a you know a player in there that could break Betis down um, and break their attacks up a bit more effectively, that's different. And if you had you know, a bit more genuine width at the back, rather than having a, a comfortable player that Juranovic shunted out again to the left, it's 
I mean, just wee things like that, they all add up, and that's why tonight we're talking about, instead of getting a, a win, which I felt we could have been capable of if we had a full-strength side, or even if we could have escaped with a draw, it was definitely well within our grasp. Again, if we'd vested, we go into a situation where we're set up to fail, and although we failed very narrowly, we still did fail, didn't we? And that's the reality of it. But I don't think I'm too despondent about it tonight. I think we're more hopeful that we we should be good enough to qualify, certainly from that group. And I'm not saying that arrogantly as if we, we're Celtic and we just deserve to. I think I saw tonight that if we play like that and we attack like that and we cause teams problems, certainly think we'll get some joy, certainly down the road in later fixtures in the group stage. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat. As I say, I've, I've got no complaints that it's coming away with without anything tonight but I still think there was enough points in the game you know usual stupidity away in Europe aside to to be positive about and you've just got to hope they use it as a learning curve because I know obviously I think the the stat before kickoff was was it was only um a yeti wasn't it that had played in the opening game of the group stages last season you know compare that to now so you've got a tremendous amount of player turnover a few players coming into the squad as well who maybe don't have as much as much experience in Europe so you've just got to hope to use it as a learning curve tonight and as well um, in terms of, I think is is game management um, particularly when we were when we were 2-0 up in the game so hopefully they see it as a lesson learned um, but as you say you know regular stupidity in Europe aside I think we saw enough on other points in the game to, to at least be, be somewhat positive about going into the next five games in the group. Definitely, and with Joe Hart there, you had an assured presence. I know he conceded four goals, but made some really top quality saves, and I think as well, having him there, especially in these games in Europe, will be a, a big, big advantage for us. As I already said, I'm going to ask you now regarding your man of the match and who you felt really stood out for Celtic Spunk phone. I thought... I would like to just give a shout out to, to Jota simply because I, I was maybe a wee bit hard on him but I did look at his duels on Saturday and I felt a lot of people were really going a bit over the top about him but tonight uh, he really stepped up, I thought he was excellent for us and other than a wee bit of a quiet 15 minute spell and that you could really accrue that to the fact that he wasn't seeing a lot of the ball because the ball was getting played a lot in the other half as well. And Betis were just piling the pressure on for the first like sort of fifteen minutes or so. I thought he really came on um, to a game for us in the second half. He looked like he's going to excel in the big stage. And I know it's a loan signing. We've got the option to buy with him if he can keep that up. And guys like James Forrest, he's not just expected just to waltz back in the team. Um, but um, you're playing like that, and of course that's we a bad out of the team as well. But. Still, uh, I thought Yota was really, really good in the right compared to when he was out on the left on Saturday. And I'd like to give him the man of the match, certainly for myself. Who was your man of the match? I thought Jota was, was excellent as well. I'm sure anyone watching the game um, would, would think that. Tom Rogic is another one I'd want to single out because I thought he was he was fantastic tonight. I mean, everything you'd normally associate with Tom Rogic, the you know, the, the close control and um, his ability to pick a pass. But I thought he was, he was really effective this evening as well. I think one of the things that it's maybe been a criticism of Rogic, certainly for me, um, in his time at Celtic, even under Brendan Rodgers to an extent, was if he had the pace, maybe the physicality to to play in those big European games. But I, I thought he was excellent tonight and um, a, a really positive influence. As you say, I think Jota was, was a standout also. A Yeti for that sort of half an hour spell in the first half was unplayable but um, yeah I, I think for me if I had to single one out I'd, I'd probably go with Tom Rogic tonight I thought a Yeti led the line well too and as much as there were some individual and collective errors with the goals I'm not going to be too 
negative and despondent on the team tonight and a lot of people might be shocked at that. I don't want to give it the whole Scotland glorious failure thing because I'm not happy tonight at all, but I'm not sitting here gutted about it. Betis are a good side um, and I hope that the manager on the team will learn from that. And weirdly enough, a 4-3 defeat in the opening game there, they might take more positives out of it rather than, you know, getting hammered. I thought the way that we recovered was pretty admirable. I don't want to just sound patronising when I say that as well because, again, I'm taking into consideration that Betis, I felt, did play within themselves. But it's a big learning curve for that team who are just quickly put together too. And I hope we can grow from it. Onwards and upwards to Livingston on Sunday. Spunkphone, give me a shoot prediction for that game because myself and Rizzo are going to review it on the Sunday. You're going to be barred because we don't want you on it a weekend with us, so give us your shoot for it. I mean, I'll, I'll probably beat the, the Tony Mack, the spaghetti had, running on the pitch again. Hopefully with COVID, although I know I'm meant to have <laughs> six-month immunity, aren't I? But, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way. Well, there's a way, there's a way. Shoot prediction... I mean, we've traditionally struggled there, haven't we? But Livingston, I don't think are famous last words here. Aren't looking up to to too much this season. Sorry, did you know that David Martindale used to be in jail? Did he really? I just thought I'd tell you that that it's Livingston's <laughs> manager, David Martindale. Everybody listening, he used to be in jail. Just in case you didn't know, I just wanted to get that trivia out there. It's very obscure, but just again, now that you know that, knowledge is power. That's, that's mental, man. I'd, I'd never heard them mention that as well. Yeah, shoot, shoot prediction, I'd say a comfortable Celtic win. I would hope anyway. Um, I'll go with 3-0. I'm going to say we'll win 2-1 against Livingston. I think it would be a, a comfortable win. 2-0, and then they'll probably score in the last minute. Starfelt will do something stupid and we'll be hanging on, but I think we will get the three points. Anyway, who knows? We might be looking like soothsayers after this one. Or we could be looking at utter idiots when the audience tune in on Sunday if we <laughs> no one at Livingston. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Anyway, I'm going to sign off. I know Rizzo does the brilliant sign-offs, so I'm going to try and fill the big man's very admirable shoes here as best I can. But before I do that, Spunkphone, thanks for joining us for this very memorable reaction podcast. Pleasure as always, Stephen. Thanks very much for uh, having me on again. And thanks very much to all the listeners for all the wonderful downloads that we've been getting recently. Um, I know you'll Probably touch on that a bit in the outro here, but the, the support is very much appreciated. Sure is, Punk Phone. This audience truly are one of the greats. I'm not going to go into the numbers, but when I've been checking the stats, I'm absolutely blown away at the fact that our Twitter and all that and the social media is so minuscule. But when I check the downloads, it seems to be people IRL. That's a new life for uh, the older people like myself. I know that our demographic is fairly young team, that's why I use that abbreviation, but I thought I'd also try and mix it there for you guys, like me, who are the wrong side of 30. But genuinely, um, I think a lot of people who have been sharing the podcast, talking about the podcast, has been much appreciated by myself, Spunkphone, Rizzo, and everybody at GigPod. It's truly humbling, and please continue to support us. So I, you can find us on Twitter, at GigPod, on Instagram, at GigPod as well, and you can tune into our podcast anywhere you listen to them Spotify, Podcast Addict, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. Please remember to rate and review where you can, that really helps us out too. And myself and Nizo will be back for the Livingston review on Sunday. Once again, cheers to Spunk Phone and Hail Hail.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.